This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. I'm here with Ben Davison. We're at the MGM Grand. It is Fury Valin Fight Week here in Las Vegas. How you doing, Ben? I'm good, Rob. And you? Very well, thank you, mate. Very well. Um, second time we've done this today, but slightly different vibe, this interview, mm-hmm. than the one we did earlier. Um, More of a chilled vibe now, isn't it? Like, like a Bob Arum vibe. I don't think we're quite as chilled as Bob Arum is. Yeah, true, true. So, it's been a while since we've done like a an interview that's kind of agendaless, I guess, is probably a good way of putting it. Usually it's, tell me about this fight, or tell me about this fighter. I had an idea that I've never actually really properly sat down and tried to talk to you about your story. Sounds, oh, sounds very... We did a little bit. Cor- yeah, but now I think your career and through association your life has moved on since then I think it might be interesting to kind of pick your brain on a few things whatever you think mate whatever you think okay so what do you mean agendaless like obviously there's an agenda obviously we're talking mind you we spoke about the fight earlier I suppose exactly yeah so what I mean by agendaless usually for people who are watching you'll sit down or you'll stand up and you'll do an interview about a fight, about a specific fighter or about something that's been spoken about or rumours and then you kind of go from there. Mm. Not really anything planned here. Um, Mm. So let's see how we get on. Ben, Mm. why are you interested in boxing? Where did that start? Um, Where did I get interested in boxing? The same way every other kid does, really, family. Um, family. Um, my dad boxed the same way everybody does. How did you get in boxing? I got involved in boxing. My granddad's big boxing fan, family. even now. Yeah, Sorry, and man. and I used to be babysat by him. And rather than I don't know pictures, and he used to show me fights. So um, probably explains a lot. It's always family, isn't it? It's always family. Um, I think how people actually get involved in boxing is always pretty much the same way. And I think, to be honest, most people's story in boxing is the same, isn't it, really? Mm, I don't know if I agree with that. Go on, give me an example. Uh, Shall I give you the breakdown of how most people's boxing story goes? Family get involved. It's usually sort of... A lot of the time it's bullying, where they're getting bullied or... The dad goes to the gym or they follow their brother to the gym or follow their friend to the gym, get involved, fall in love with it and sort of goes that way. But I suppose from a boxing reporter it's different, isn't it? Actually, but that is the usual someone involved in boxing's path, would you say? I wouldn't say the usual, but it is definitely a story that you hear quite a lot, I would say, in boxing. Um, specific to you because I know you boxed to a certain level, mm-hmm. but you've now gained acclaim as as it were as a as a professional trainer mm. when did that happen because I know that you, you played football at a decent level mm. when you were younger you also boxed at a decent level talk to me about the kind of process of becoming the trainer to the lineal heavyweight champion of the world um, obviously like I say I got involved in boxing from a young age um, boxed as a kid then when I got to about 13, 14 my dad sort of said to me you have to make a decision what you want to do choose football or boxing I chose football um, but when I was playing football um, I was carrying on going to the gym and, and 
at a gym, one of the boxing gyms that I was going to, uh, one of the, um, the, the owners said to me, look, um, I'd gone into non-league football, so part-time football at this point, and he said to me, if you, um, would you be interested in um, getting your training qualifications, etc., etc., um, in case football or whatever didn't work out? I said yes. At the same sort of time, I started going back to boxing myself, competing, um, and then I'd gone through my training qualifications, learnt a lot, and um, but the first fighter that really probably spotted the, my ability to be able to see things was Billy Joe, um, and one thing led to another and then all of a sudden he'd start asking me a little bit more can we do a session today you can blah 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 and um, the sessions have become more and more and more more often more frequent more engaging uh, more thorough he'd take my word a little bit more <clears throat> and then he he asked me at one point would i be interested in working with him full time um so i i decided at that point to make a decision i decided to go down that route you get talent you get you know, Billy Joe's God gifted, Tyson's God gifted, and um, you know to be able to work with somebody like that at uh, an early stage was a blessing. You know, um, some would say luck. I suppose part of it is luck, being able to work with a fighter of that caliber so early on. But also, you know, they need to be getting a, they need to feel like they're getting whether they was or wasn't is is opinions. But they need to feel that they're getting a certain level of. Um, coaching and training um, for them to engage in that and, and be interested in that and want to do that and, and want to employ somebody so you know uh, I ended up starting to work with Billy Joe uh, and I learned a hell of a lot under somebody like Jimmy Tibbs um, being around Jimmy I learned a hell of a lot the most you know off of Jimmy I'd say that I learned I always sort of had an eye technically, uh, from a technical standpoint, myself. But I learnt from Jimmy things that things that you can only get from experience. Now, it's not the amount of experience, it's the quality of experience. I've said this a lot, and I was very, very lucky to spend time around Jimmy. Who I was, you know, I'm very good at learning from others' mistakes or learn gaining information from others, and you know, spending around sitting around Jimmy, I would just sit there, Jimmy was very hands on and, and liked to do things but you know he was uh, he was very, what's the word I'm looking for, accepting or um, he was okay with me sitting there watching and, and getting involved bits and bit, uh, bits here and bits there and you know over time he gave me a little bit more trust and uh, allowed me to do things and um, just sitting there and watching the main thing I learned from Jimmy is round management, and that's something that you can only get through experience and seeing and being able to read a fighter's tank, how a fighter's feeling, when to push somebody, when to hold somebody back, how over it looks when somebody's overtraining. Uh, you know, being able to 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 manage a fighter, it's it's hard to put a key on what that 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 thing was that Jimmy had, and I feel like I was able to uh, gain and develop that that information and that part of, of what Jimmy had to be able to take on and, and give to the fighters that I work with today. So I was very, um, 
very thankful for that. I'm very lucky with that opportunity. And obviously, having a background of being able to go through my training qualifications, I learned a lot about different uh, types of training and the body and the nutrition. So, not an expert in those fields by any means, but I have a, a half decent level of understanding. But working with somebody at, at top top level, elite level, I'm lucky enough to be able to employ experts in that area. So uh, I had a good apprenticeship, so to speak, um, being around people like that and going through those qualifications. Are there parts of of being a trainer or working in boxing that you can only get through experience, or do you believe that there that it is possible? I mean, you're how old are you now? Twenty six. Oh, you probably shouldn't swear. But it was twenty. Yeah, I, I, I had to beep you earlier. I have to beep me this time. You're 26. It would seem to me, as somebody who's followed boxing for an awful long time, that there are only things that you will be able to learn through experience. Do you do you agree with that? Yes, but age is an experience, and that's where a lot of people go wrong. People think age is experience, but it's not. Like I said, I, I was lucky enough to spend time around Jimmy and spending year, a couple of years around Jimmy, two, three, four years, can't, couldn't tell you how, how long it was, I can't remember now, but being able to spend that time around somebody like Jimmy, I um, I gained probably what people would say 20 to 30 years worth of experience, you know, and it takes, it, I'm not blowing my own trumpet by any means, but it takes intelligence, there's a lot, of course there's people that's been in the gym with Jimmy Tibbs before, do you know what I mean, and, and watched him work and watched him train and, and whatnot, watched him work with his, his boxers, but it takes a certain level of, takes a certain level of intelligence to be able to actually and you have to be on the same sort of wavelength to be able to say I get that I understand I'm seeing where he's coming from that makes sense to me you know um, because some people I've done it before I've tried to try to help others uh, explain to others my own philosophy and when they speak back to me, I think you just com- you just completely do not get what I'm what I'm trying to say and what where I'm, what I'm trying to get at. So, you know, um, it takes a certain level of intelligence. But yeah, of course, experience is 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 there are certain things that you need experience for. Um, but even going back, it's just popped in my head, um, and I never forget this. But because we were talking about boxing, when I was playing football, there was a coach called Colin Reed. And I remember one day he stopped at the whole, the whole uh, team, and he said, "It's not your fault. You've not got a professional contract. It's not your fault. You've not got a professional contract. It's not your fault. You've not got a professional contract." He said, "Because football's that easy. You should, anybody can do it." He said, "And it's our fault as coaches that you've not been coached well enough to make the right decisions and know what to do in every single situation." Um, and the way he broke football down, and the way he spoke, and 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 how he simplified things. I took that as well into my coaching. So, you know, as you're developing, you're always developing. The moment, a lot of the time, as people get older, they start to get a little bit of an ego and a little bit of a, um, yeah, I suppose a bit of an ego. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to say, oh, that was good. I like what, what that trainer did there. Oh, I like what, and it hasn't even got to be football. It hasn't even got to be boxing, sorry. You know, it can be uh, it can be in any any uh, any sport, any walk of life, they might like the way somebody broke that down, or they might like this or that, and you know. Um, 
so I took a lot from from him as well, and I'd love to be able to uh, always think about being able to get in contact with him. But because uh, he was a, he was a very intelligent man in a in a in a way where the general person wouldn't say he was intelligent, but he was very very intelligent and very good at his job. Um, so you know that's all experience. That's all experience, um, and it's sort of. I've took bits here, took bits there along the way, bits from the training qualifications that I've done, a bit from uh, getting coached in football, a bit from being under Jimmy. So, uh, and of course, sometimes I'm working with a fighter and I think, I like the way he does that. That fighter over there would do well adding that into his repertoire. So, it's, uh, it is experience as well. And um, But I also think that sometimes, no matter how much experience you have, some people just don't have it as well. Talk about philosophy. Without, I uh, know you won't yeah, yeah, reveal no, so, entirely yeah. your secrets, as it were, but what is your philosophy, as best you can describe it? I believe that there's an answer for everything in boxing that your opponent's going to do, is what I'm going to say. And I believe that there's a way to... Different styles, there's, a way to, there's always a way to safely handle those opponents as safe as possible you know um, I'm not the type of trainer that would like to see my fighters taking too many shots uh, I'm not a fighter a trainer that would like to take too many risks in terms of too much of a brave trainer um, if you don't get hit you don't get beat and um, again you know that, that was something that I learned a lot from Jimmy about that was the way he coached you know um, so there is there's an answer for everything in boxing, but you just have to understand how to go about it. And I don't want to go into too much detail in terms of how, but that is uh, as simple answer as I can give you. Something that's been levelled at you in the past, not necessarily as a criticism. In some cases, it has been as a criticism. Would you consider yourself a defensive coach? Um, what is what? What's a defensive coach? What makes a defensive coach? Somebody that doesn't train the fighters to put their hands up around the head and walk forward, or throw a million punches without focusing on what's coming back. Then, if somebody that doesn't do that is classed as a defensive coach, then yeah, I am. If I'm just the type of coach that tries to coach the art of boxing of hitting and not getting hit, then you wouldn't say as a defensive coach. It's just coaching boxing, but. I don't know. People uh, sometimes boxing's broader now than it was before. You know, there's a lot more varied type of fans into boxing. So you don't just get people that boxing people that watch boxing. You know, you get you get um, everyday everyday people watching boxing. And um, in this day and age with social media etc., everybody can have an opinion. So. The non-boxing people that don't appreciate the art of boxing will probably be like watching a technical boxer in a chess match. Will probably be like, oh, have have something to moan about. Uh, but somebody that enjoys to watch the art of boxing will appreciate it. You're not never going to please everybody, um, and I also believe. 
weight categories can also play a part on strategy as well um, and philosophy to a certain degree from a lighter weight to a heavier weight so uh, because the, the game does change as you go up in the weights it is, it is slightly different so am I class a defensive coach that's up to people's opinions I just believe that I try to coach to the best of my ability the art of boxing of hitting and not getting hit it's the third fight in a row that I've joined you in America oh, for um yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> how's your life changed, and how have you changed? I don't. I know that you will say that you haven't changed. Yeah. Or you, I don't think it's physically possible for a human to not change, considering where you were yeah. and where you are now. Yeah. Do you agree with that? And if not, which I'm sure you don't. You explain. Physically change. Physically change. I've gained. Not physically. Um, how? How have you changed? Changed as a person. And how have you changed as a coach? I think that's what I said. Mm, how have I changed as a coach? How have I changed as a person first? Uh, I can't, sorry to interrupt. I can't, I can't, for the life of me, yeah. believe that you haven't changed as a person. I can't. Yeah. It, it would be against every instinct of human nature, mm. I believe. Of course there's changes. Uh, I would say that... But they're changing in some ways and not changes in others, you know. Mm. Um, I, I've changed in respect of going through the journey that we've gone through with Tyson, spending time around him, going through. And Tyson's the type of person that is an extremist, so he's either all the way up there or he's all the way down there. And if he's all the way up there, what's going to happen? There's going to be a big drop if there's a big high, and if there's a Obviously, it's not good for somebody to sit too low. So it's very, it can be very taxing for people around him because he's such a big influence and such a big character uh, when he's on an extreme mood. So, you know, part of my job is to sort of get on that level with him. If he's really up, you have to get really up with him to help bring him back down and balance him. And if he's really low, you sort of have to get deep and low and have deep conversations with him to bring him back. But to see what he's gone through and, and, and had a family stuck together by him and... Um, and things like that. So it, it does change. It makes you think a little bit more about life, seeing somebody go through what he's gone through uh, and the importance of it and what's important in life. Um, so I suppose to a certain degree, maybe my outlook on some things have changed. Not maybe, they have. My outlook on some things have changed. But in terms of a person, I would say that for what the the public would see of of me, he's probably a little bit different because I'm a little bit. I feel a little bit more free to to joke, to have a laugh, to mess about, to be myself a little bit more. As before, especially, it was partly due to partly due to Tyson having to uh, being in those moods. I had to be very balanced. I had to be very. We got a job to do. That was it. There was no. For me, there was no, let's have a laugh, because if he was having a laugh, he was poof, having a right laugh, you know? And uh, so for, I had to be very balanced for a long time, and, and I'm a I'm a joking kind of character. I have a laugh, I mess about, I'm childish at times, but also uh, mature above my years, beyond my years at times. So 
Uh, I think probably the public see a little bit more of a jokey side to me now than before. And also probably at the time people um, being very wary of of somebody being my age. And I was wary of somebody being my age and taking on a job of, of this task. I knew that my um, coaching ability was was good enough. But obviously, being new to media and things like that, I was a little bit wary. So I probably didn't show as much of myself as I as I do now. Um, and in terms of coaching, always developing. If I didn't keep developing and keep picking things up and changing and improving and constantly learning new things, then I'd be disappointed in myself. Put it that way. Now I know you're a big boxing fan. Um, probably an understatement. Um, Tyson himself, boxing historian, throughout the annals of history, throughout boxing history, there has never been a 26-year-old who's trained consensus, whatever you want to call it, yeah. the number one heavyweight in the world. Yeah. That's a lot of trainers, a lot of champions, a lot of fighters. Does that resonate with you? Do you feel that now? Or do you block that out? What, like... Because it is unheard of, mm. like not to massage your ego, but I mean, yeah. for people who are watching this who already think I kiss your ass, just <laughs> have a have a look at boxing history. Yeah, there's never been a 26 year old who looks after the number one heavyweight in the world. However, we want to slice it and dice it. That's yeah. Um, no, because I don't sit there and think to myself. But even when I said to you, I'm 26, I was thinking, am I? I was questioning it. I don't think about that. I don't think like that. I focus on when I'm working with Tyson. If we're in the gym, I'm not thinking I'm 26 and I'm fucking doing this and I'm doing that. I'm thinking where can I improve him? What's right? What's wrong? How is he looking today? Should I do this with him today? I had that plan, but I'm thinking now. Thinking this now. I've seen him warm up. I'm changing my idea. Or do you know what that I do today? Or I'm thinking let's push him a little bit harder. I'm thinking. What's Christian going to be doing with him tonight? Or I can see it might be, what's he eating this morning? Or does he look fueled? Does he this? Does he that? Or I'm thinking about what we need to do for this opponent um, and the best way to get him to understand it. So the last thing I think about is oh, my age and and things like that. I'm just focus, fully focused on getting the job done, whether it's the start of camp, whether it's we've not got a fight date scheduled. I'm just focused on the job, really. And... Uh, I don't take it all in. It's like anything, you appreciate things after, you know, after they're done. So I do always, always appreciate um, and think and speak about uh, being grateful for everything in life, really. Um, but I also know, I saw it was Adam Booth said something. I can't remember who it was with, but it was very, very true. He said, "Yeah, he said yeah, to become a high-profile trainer, you have to have a high-profile fighter," and it's very true because I know some fantastic trainers that haven't got high-profile fighters and are not well known and are not classed as good trainers, but they're fantastic trainers. I also know some high-profile trainers that are not very good but work with high-profile fighters. The the conception of a uh, of a good trainer 
his opinion. Some people might say Ben Davison is shit. Some people might say he's the best in the world. Um, if I think to myself, I'm the best trainer in the world, I'm this age and I'm training this person, then ego's going to blow up. I'm not going to be focused on how I can improve as a coach, which will then improve the boxers I work with. So I don't think like that. And we have a group we have a group and a team that would never let you get above your station anyway because they're all a down-to-earth group of lads and you'll very quickly get a load of stick if you get a bit carried away with yourself and that's the way it should be and I like it that way. I think it's important to point out I didn't necessarily mean from an ego point of view or a sitting around. I, I, it's more of a kind of just an awareness really. Yeah, yeah. Being aware of yeah. how long the sport's been around and how this is the first time it's happened. Like... Even sometimes for me, it's not the same, but I'm covering Tyson Fury in Las Vegas. And in mm. 50 years' time, in 50 years' time, I can tell my kids or my grandkids that I was there at Wilder Fury. That's special to me as a boxing fan. So that's kind of where I'm going for you in a sense of, are you aware of how unique it is, what you're doing is at the minute? Does, does that creep into your mind at all? Not necessarily in, in a negative way or make you egotistical or make yeah. you... That's kind of the way I'm thinking. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, going into the, uh, the Wilder fight, I was, I, was, I was very, I was thinking, because I was very, very relaxed and very calm. I knew what needed to be done. And I remember thinking to myself that yourself was there. It was me, you, Coogan. And, and I was thinking, if the worst was to happen, people were going to say he had no idea what he was in for. He didn't know what it was all about but then if things had gone very well people would have said he was so calm and relaxed it was like he was so used to it. you can't win with people's opinions and that and uh, so I'm, I'm a relaxed kind of person um, and I just fully focused on the job at hand sometimes I try to pinch myself and say yep and I do do that and we always talk about that you know what are the chances of what are the chances of that um, but then, without being egotistical, I have always thought to myself. People say to me, "Did you always believe that you'd be at this at this stage at this age?" And the answer is, "Yeah, I did," um, because I have full trust in my ability, and I knew that I had a, had an eye for, for for what I do, and I knew that if I had an eye for it, I would one hundred percent get the best of me out of it because I will work my ass off to be the best I can be, which will then make the fighters the best they can be, hopefully. We've already mentioned it in this interview. High-profile trainers, high-profile mm. fighters. Out of your stable of fighters, or who knows what Billy Joe's up to, mm. you've got Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, two very, very gifted, naturally mm. gifted fighters, and you've got Isaac Lowe. Mm. Now, Isaac Lowe is not on that level. Do you look at Isaac Lowe as your opinion, not your opinion, your opportunity to build a fighter, to build a fighter from this level and bring him up to that level? Um, I don't look at things like that at all because I think to myself, whoever I'm working with, I want to get the best out of them. It's, it's, it's that simple. I don't think this is my opportunity for this, this that's my opportunity for that. You know, same, like with Tyson, you know, when... Going into the Wilder fight, he was a complete underdog. Everybody thought it was going to be a three-round demolition job. Everybody thought that. 
but all of a sudden he boxed how he boxed. Especially after the Sefer the and the Pianetta fight, the comeback fights, people thought, you know what, he's not ready, he's getting obliterated. Um, but then he went and boxed how he boxed. Ah, he's always been, you know, he's this, he's that, he's, he's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Tyson's a very, very super talented individual. But he still needs a coach, everybody needs a coach. Um, and I believe that we're starting to see the best of him. And that is due to the, the effort that the full team's put in as well. Because, like I said, I employ, and Tyson employs, experts in their field. And we've got a full team of us that that do a job with Tyson. And that's I'm not even talking about then, his family. Everybody plays a role. And, um, you know, as a collectively as a team, I think we've done a very, very good job of him, bearing in mind where he was. So... You know, my job is just to get the best out of everybody. Uh, Billy Joe's training with Dom for his next fight. Um, I spoke to Billy Joe. Um, whether he, we work together or not, I've worked with him for a long time. On, off, bits here, bits there, bobs here, full camps, non-full camps. Um, don't get me wrong, I would love the opportunity to have three or four back-to-back -back camps with Billy Joe because I know what I could get out of him. Um, and I don't think anybody's seen the best of him yet. So, uh, and Isaac, Isaac's at the stage where he's still developing. Yeah, I want to, of course I want to keep developing him to the maximum potential that he's got. <clears throat> because, even go beyond the potential that he's got. Because I feel like, um, with the right philosophy, you, you, you can out, outfill your... Your, your own potential. Um, don't get me wrong, he's not the easiest to coach. Uh, he wants to learn, hungry to learn, but he's the type that you have to keep going over it and 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 over it. But we've done that, we've been doing that, and I think everybody's seeing improvements. Um, but like I say, anybody that I'm working with, I want to get the best out of them because it's my passion. How long do you see yourself working in boxing? You're a very young man. I know we keep talking about your age. You're a very young man. I'm not as young as you anymore, but I kind of sometimes look at boxing and think like, Jesus. And I don't have to deal with anywhere near some of the stuff that you have to deal with behind the scenes. I look at boxing and think, oh, I don't really want to be doing this for the next 30 years. Sorry, boxing social. Um, but do you look at it like that? Is Not necessarily do you... But could you see yourself doing something else in the future? Could you see a chain of events happening that would lead you into another profession? I don't really know nothing else. And I know that's the typical thing to say, but I don't because if you want to get somewhere, you've got to be under a percent in it. So I don't I don't really know anything else very well. This is all I know. So um, I could not, and this is no word of a lie, I couldn't change the light bulb. So... That's how good I am. Um, I have passions and that that I would like to get involved in uh, in due time. Whether that would steer me away from boxing, I don't know. But um, like what? I've got a uh, passion for lions. And when I get a minute, I'm going to go and volunteer. But a lot of people don't know that lions were... Lions were, they tried to, 
estimate the number of lions that was uh, in the wild about 15 years ago, I think it was. I might be a little bit off with my numbers, but I'm roughly there. I think there was about 700,000. And they checked again in, in five years ago. Where, what number do you think was left? 400,000. 200,000. So I know there's a lot of animal rights and this and that, and people disagree, but lions in captivity. Now, I don't mean in a small cage, but I don't know if people know about Kevin Richardson, the lion whisperer. He's got a sanctuary that's very, very uh, as close to the wild as possible while caring for them, veterinary care, that sort of stuff. I'd like to go and do some volunteering and learn more about them. Um, and uh, I'd like to try and, at one point, I would like to see how I can help in that area. Um, what else have I got? Obviously, you know. A big thing for me is family. I want to start a family. I want to uh, be able to spend time around. You know, I've not spent no time on myself or with my partner for a very, very long time because I've been very, very busy going from one camp to another camp to another camp to another camp to another camp. And so I would like to have some time there to be able to uh, have some family time. Um, and you know. I'd lot, you know, I've not seen a lot of my family for a long time. I know. I uh, so, you know, there. When I get a minute, I would like to spend time with my family and um, enjoy them. You know, because you never know what's around the corner. And I do always think about this. I do always think to myself, well, you know, you never know what's around the corner. Tomorrow's not promised to nobody. And I always think about it. And I think I would like. I want to make sure that I, I, I see as much as my family as possible because family's all we've got in this world, really. And you know, I've got I've got grandparents, and they're not getting any younger. And I want to be able to spend time with them, appreciate them, and uh, have fond memories with them before you know the uh, inevitable comes around. If that's a nice mm. way of putting it. <laughs> how does it affect your family you being away you being because you're not in a normal job mm. you, you're working with with big money big, big talents big personalities you're traveling here you're traveling there as a parent myself admittedly not to a you know, an adult mm. or i would always want my child to be safe to be secure to be relaxed be calm I wouldn't necessarily want her to be jet setting around the world and doing this yeah. at such a young age particularly going from point A to point B where you've gone from out of the limelight so to speak to very much in the limelight does that affect your family your parents don't know um, I don't know because you know I'm, I'm very focused so when I'm in training camp I don't engage in bullshit conversations or chitter chatter and this that and the other and uh you know, selfish, yeah, probably a bit stubborn, yeah, but I'm just focused on one thing. and I, Like you say, I don't want to have a conversation where, and obviously it's the topic of everything is boxing. I don't want every time I speak to my family to be about boxing um, or always about me. I want to talk to them. How's their day? How's their work going? How's, you know, but it's hard to keep the conversation on that road. But like I say, when I'm in a training camp, I don't want to know about those things. I'm focused on one thing. And yeah, my family probably do suffer from that because 
I'm only focused solely on what job we've got to do. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's tough on them. I'm sure it is tough on them. Um, and so when I come back from uh, after training camps and fights, you know they want to talk and one of this and one of that. And sometimes it takes you a little bit of time to wind down, come back down, and loosen up a little bit to be able to uh, have a sensible conversation, so to speak. Question just popped into my head. Um, Tyson is a polarizing figure in, mm. in boxing, in sport, in general. Do you think that you would have had the same criticisms that you've had mm. if you trained, for example, Anthony Joshua? And that's, that is literally just an example. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. He's just another yeah, high-profile British fighter. I'm not trying to get you to have a dig at AJ or anything no, like that. Course, but what do you mean, same criticism? So, an example. Ben Davidson's a yes man. Oh, right. Ben yeah. Davidson oh, doesn't yeah. know what he's talking oh, okay. about. Do yeah, you yeah. think if you were with a different fighter, those voices would still be there? As intensely as they had, certainly at the start. Yeah. Um, criticism, yes. Different type of criticism, probably. Um... I mean, look at Rob McCracken getting getting a lot of, a lot of uh, criticism. Very undeserved, in my my opinion. Um, so there's always criticism, but that's part of that is part of part and parcel of boxing. If you, to be honest, if you give a shit, then forget about it because. I don't care. I'm not bothered. I don't. Some somebody's opinion is I'm the best in the world. I don't go. Did you see that? Did you see that? And if somebody gives me a bit of stick, I don't run off crying. You know, I'm a I'm a balanced individual. Full belief in myself, and just like a high profile boxer, has to be balanced. They can't read something on Twitter and start crying and oh maybe I'm no good and you know, man up a little bit. Don't don't live in the, the world of social media. Use it, the platform where it is. Enjoy it, but don't uh, don't let it give you your positives and your negatives. Just take it as what it is. Do you have your moments of doubts though? Your moments of little insecurities? Yep, one million percent. I think everybody should, because if you don't, you're not going to be as good as you are. If I thought I'm the bollocks, I ain't got to think about this. I ain't got to do that. I'm not going to go home and keep trying to improve and watch five to six hours of boxing every single day. Christian, if I'm not in the gym, what am I doing? Honest. How, how, how many fights would you say I watch a day? At least three or four. That was at least three or four. So, you know, I view it as my job. As Some people have a nine to five. They have to get up in the morning at seven o'clock. They don't get home until seven o'clock at night. So, I don't go to the gym, come back, lay down and go, oh, lovely, that's me done for the day, feet up. Christian will do his session later on. No, I come back and I'm watching boxing. I've got something in my mind that I want to work on that balance or I want to work on this or I want to work on how, can, how does a long-range fighter deal with this or how does a long-range fighter add this repertoire in or how does this short fighter do this or... 
how did this fighter deal against that style and you know I'm always 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 looking and learning and wanting to improve because you're always thinking am I doing that right is that right is that the right idea what I had there did I give the right advice there was that was that is this the right game plan to go in with and um you need that you need to be hungry to succeed you need to be and you need to keep that hunger and the moment that hunger goes for example we're seeing it we're seeing it with um Joshua now I think like he said going into the Ruiz fight I think he was a bit like it's Ruiz it's not what he wanted as a fighter but now he's thinking whoa I'm hungry, I need this. And, uh, you know, he said it, he said himself something about, he said something along the lines of about um, how the commercial things, everything like that's taken a back foot. Because you do, he might have got a little bit complacent, which is admitting himself there, which is the first step in the right direction. You're a fighter, so focus on that. Focus on that. And, uh, don't try to be a businessman. Don't try to be this. Don't try to be that. And I'm not talking about Joshua now. I'm talking about in general for, for boxers or for anything, you know. Focus on what you're doing. If you want to be the best at it, focus on that. Don't be a jack of all trades. Be a master of one. And, um, you know, there's plenty of time when you, when you finish boxing to go into other areas. Or if you're not happy doing your job and putting full effort in, don't bother doing it in my opinion. So, um, you know, I'm fully focused on boxing of course, I'm always thinking, is that right? Is this right? Because I want, I have the passion to be the best I can be. Okay. Well, I hope our viewers found that as interesting as I did. I thought it was quite revealing. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Always enjoy your company, Rob. Thank you very much. Not many people say that, and the ones who do are often lying, so thank you. Um, I didn't tell I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Do you mind if I give a few shout-outs to my new sponsors? Um... I just want to give a big thanks to uh, my new partnership with uh, Starbucks and Starbucks Mints. Um, it's been really good joining forces with Starbucks. Uh, the Champions League of coffees. And uh, looking forward to a successful partnership. Okay. What, you don't think you've got a deal with Starbucks? No. Why would you think that I've not? Because they're not on your shirt. Yeah, but this is Tyson's shirt. It's must. It's a. It's a deal I've. I've got myself with uh, unlimited americanos with cold soy milk with toffee nut syrup. It's a really weird way to end a really interesting interview. Sometimes you just got to keep them guessing a little bit. Well, as I say, thanks very much for your time. What do you order from Starbucks? What do I order from Starbucks? What do you think? Don't say brownies. No, no. Definitely a full fat latte. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I had to cut you off there. You're rambling on a little bit too much about coffee. Um, did enjoy it though, to be fair. It was a nice, light hearted end to the interview. Um, what, you were about to say something? I just heard you breathe. I was about to say what you uh, said about coffee, but we'll leave it. Yeah, we'll leave it. Um, okay, well, Ben, as always, real pleasure. Um, as I said, uh, it's similar to what I did yesterday with Tyson. We can talk, me and you especially, can, can do an interview tomorrow where people who thought this was boring and self-indulgent, we can ask questions about 
Deontay Wilder, uh, etc. Tomorrow. Um, Who else are they interested in? Deontay Wilder. Who else would they uh, want you to ask questions about? What if I was asking you? What, yeah. what people who maybe found this boring would probably want me to ask you about? I don't really know, to be honest. Wilder, yeah. Han, yeah. Joshua, yeah. Ruiz. I haven't asked you about your Joshua Ruiz. Well, not on camera. But your Joshua, and I'm not going to now because you have to go, and I've got very, very limited card space. So I'll have to do that on one of the other. Yes, very much so. No, brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rob.